0: Welcome to our weekly podcast. If you have a Bible with you, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 15. Once you're there, you can just hold your spot. John 15 will be the primary passage for the message today. Well, friends, we're in the final week of a series called Get Used to Different. Over the past several weeks, we've been focusing in on the four challenges that Jesus gave to his disciples during his three-year ministry. These challenges are come and see, follow me, fish for people, and go and bear fruit. Jesus was intentional about developing his disciples into the men and women God created them to be. These challenges were given at different stages in their faith journey, and they helped them take the next step in their walk with Christ. As we learn more about these challenges, we can better understand where we're at in our own walk with Christ and how God is challenging each one of us to take the next step. I've loved hearing about some of the stories and testimonies that are coming out of the various Sunday school classes and growth groups this season. As you know, our groups have taken a short break from their normal topics so they can participate in a sermon follow-up for our series each week. There's been a lot of great discussion about what we've talked about on Sundays and some great examples of how many of you are taking steps to come alongside others as they grow in their faith. I heard there was some great conversation in one of our groups last week about how we can be more intentional about coming alongside some of the new believers in our church. We've learned throughout our series that new believers are spiritual infants who need more mature believers to teach them to develop them and mentor them in their faith. It sounds like many of you are excited about building new relationships and about getting more involved in the mission of making more and better disciples. Well, this series and these challenges remind us about where our focus should be as a church. We've learned that our focus should be on making more and better disciples and that our motive is love. Love is the fuel behind our passion to engage in the mission that God has invited us into. My prayer has been that all of these messages have encouraged you and that they've challenged you in your faith. The first challenge that Jesus gave to his disciples was the challenge to come and see. He extended this challenge to Andrew and John when they were disciples of John the Baptist. The phrase come and see literally means just show up in the Greek. This is an invitation to seekers Those who are curious about who Jesus is. It's an invitation to learn more about Jesus, to ask questions, and to simply show up. You know, we've all been there. We've been in a place in our life where we had questions about who Jesus is, questions about the church, questions about how the Holy Spirit leads our lives. It's natural to be curious. It's natural to have questions. So Jesus extended this challenge for those who were curious. I was reminded this past week that about 80% of La Crosse County is unchurched. Learning about this first challenge is a reminder to me that when we're focused on Jesus and on the mission that he's given us, we're going to be a church that has a heart to reach the lost. We'll have a heart to reach the community that we're a part of. We want to be a welcoming church for those who are curious about Jesus, but have not yet made the decision to believe in him. We want to invite people into the church and into a saving relationship with Christ. The second challenge that Jesus gave was the challenge to follow me. Now, this challenge is an invitation to believe. And when someone responds to this challenge, they move from curiosity to commitment. They move from unbelief to belief. For those of you who have been a Christian for some time now, there's an awesome opportunity to come alongside new believers in the church, teaching them, building friendships, and showing them how they can serve God by using the gifts he's given them. We want to reach the lost for Jesus, but we also want to help develop new believers into kingdom workers who are being used by God to advance his kingdom. And that leads us to the challenge that we talked about last week. The third challenge that Jesus gave was the challenge to fish for people. This challenge is all about leaving behind what's comfortable in order to engage in the work of the ministry. John Maxwell once wrote that if we're growing... We're always going to be out of our comfort zone. Now, that doesn't sound very comfortable, does it? But I think there's a lot of truth to what he's saying here. You know, the right kind of growth will often be uncomfortable. When Jesus extended this third challenge, he was calling his disciples to leave behind what was comfortable, which for them was fishing for fish, so they could learn how to fish for people. From their example, we learn that responding to this challenge only requires that we're available that we're teachable, that we're faithful in the small things that God gives us, that we're enthusiastic about the work that we're doing, and that we're responsive. I believe if we have these characteristics with the Holy Spirit's help, God will grow us into the kingdom workers he's created us to be. In fact, these are key characteristics that all challenge three people have. Well, today We're going to talk about the fourth and final challenge that Jesus gave. It's the challenge to go and bear fruit. You see, throughout his ministry, Jesus focused on a few, intentionally developing them into disciple makers. That is, disciples who could make disciples who would make more disciples. He equipped them to be fishers of people, and then he sent them out to bear fruit by making disciples of all nations. As people who are learning from Jesus to live like Jesus, we want to imitate or duplicate this process. That's what God has called us to do. The challenge to go and bear fruit is most clearly seen in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. I'd like to read the entire passage, and then we'll talk about some of the characteristics of challenge for people. These are characteristics of disciple makers. John chapter 15 unless you remain in me. And then Jesus continues, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And then he begins to wrap this section up by saying, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. That's that fourth challenge, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Well, there's so much for us in this passage, but I'd like to focus in on Jesus's fourth and final challenge, the challenge to go and bear fruit. Verse 16, Jesus said, you did not choose me, But I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. If challenge three people are kingdom workers, then challenge four people are disciple makers. Making disciples who can make more disciples, that was Jesus' mission. Let's talk about a few key characteristics that all challenge four people have or all disciple makers have. Number one, if you're taking notes, disciple makers are spiritual parents. They're spiritual parents. You know, growing up, I was taught a lot of great things. Uh, My teachers in school, they taught me how to read. They taught me how to write. In fact, I remember in third grade, I really struggled with reading and writing. But my teacher, Miss Murphy, she did such an amazing job. She came alongside me and taught me how to read better, how to write better. They taught me how to figure out math problems. I use all these things today in my vocation. My wrestling coach taught me how to work out, how to practice the fundamentals. Those are the things that really matter. He taught me how to win wrestling matches. You know, my parents were the best teachers I had. They taught me how to share with my siblings when I was younger. That's an important lesson. They taught me the importance of hard work and how to treat women. But nobody ever taught me how to be a parent before I became a parent. When my wife and I had our first child, if I'm honest with you, I felt like a fish out of water. I had no idea how to change a diaper, how to rock a crying baby to sleep, or how to handle a newborn. I mean, they seem so fragile. I remember feeling helpless for about the first six months of being a new dad. Uh, Maybe you've been there. You know, I've talked with a lot of new dads over the years, and uh, that's pretty consistent. I think a lot of dads feel pretty worthless for the first couple of months. You know, we didn't read a book that made us successful parents overnight before we had kids. Um, We learned how to parent through on-the-job training and through the example of other parents who'd gone before us. Well, today, four kids later, we're still not perfect parents, but we've learned a few things. We still have a lot of questions, which is why we're part of a parenting growth group here at OCC. We meet on Sunday nights, but we've grown and learned how to face some of the difficult challenges that come with parenting kids at different ages and stages. I would say that at this point in our life, God has given my wife and I several opportunities to invest in the lives of younger parents. Because we've gone through some difficult seasons, some difficult challenges, and because we've learned some important lessons about parenting, we can now share our successes and our failures with other young parents who want to parent by God's design. A challenge for people are spiritual parents. They've followed Jesus for some time. They've grown and matured in their faith. They understand what it means to be a kingdom worker for God, and they've experienced some success in making disciples along the way. This means they've seen people come to Christ. They've trained and equipped them to grow in their faith and to serve God, and they've taught them how to go and make more disciples themselves. Challenge four people have experienced success. They've experienced failure. They've grown into mature spiritual parents who are now passing on the lessons they've learned to others. God's desire is that we would all grow to be spiritual parents. As we engage in the work of the ministry, God's going to provide opportunities for us to pass on some of what we've learned to others. But sadly, the reality is that many Christians never experience the joys that come with being a spiritual parent. The writer of Hebrews addressed this when he wrote to older Hebrew Christians who were still immature in their faith. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, this is what we read. The writer says, You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant. And doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. To challenge four people are disciple makers who've been trained in God's word. They've had on-the-job training as well, and they've taken on the role of being a spiritual parent to others. If you've been a Christian for a while, please don't shy away from the opportunities that God puts in front of you to instill faith in others. Don't miss the opportunities that God puts in front of you to come alongside new believers, mentoring them in their faith. You know, just like being a parent is a blessing, being a spiritual parent is a blessing as well. Number two, if you're taking notes, disciple makers are friends of God. They're friends of God. We read about this truth in John 15, verse 15. He writes, I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. We've talked about this in past messages, but the disciples went from being referred to as seekers in John chapter one uh, to followers or disciples in John chapter two to servants and coworkers in John 13. and now they're being referred to as friends in John chapter 15. So like Moses and like Abraham before them, they're now referred to as friends of God. Now, you might be tempted to think, this is kind of a weird point. I mean, aren't we all friends of God? I think like the word love, we've watered down the word friend or friendship so much that it's almost lost its meaning completely. I mean, we say things like, I love steak, I love my car, or I love that vacation. You know, really? (laughs) Do we really love those things? We do the exact same thing with the word friend or friendship. We can get on Facebook right now. We can friend request someone. They become our friend. You know, with the click of a button, we can gain a new friend. But is this really what God has in mind for friendship? John chapter 15, verse 13 says, There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So when Jesus referred to his disciples as friends, he was pointing out how they'd reached a new level of intimacy with him. He's saying true friendship goes beyond curiosity. It goes beyond belief. It even goes beyond servanthood. In reality, we all probably have just a handful of real friends in our lives. You know, these are the people that you long to be with. If they needed something, you'd drop whatever you were doing to run to their side. These are the people you can pour your heart out to. When talking about friendship, Dan Spader wrote that friendship involves a deepened relationship, a freedom to enter into one another's presence, a security of position. Disciple makers are friends of God because they no longer strive to find favor with God through their works or behavior, but they realize that they're accepted and loved because they're adopted children. Disciple makers are friends of God because They spend intimate time with God through his word and in prayer on a daily basis. Disciple makers are friends of God because they understand that their relationship with God is not about them, but about who God is and what he's done for them. Disciple makers bear lasting fruit for God because they're connected to him. In John chapter 15 verse 5, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So after years of following Jesus and serving Jesus, the disciples were now friends of Jesus. We can learn from their example that our relationship with God takes time to build. It takes time to grow. Like any other friendship that we have, if we're not intentional about spending time with God, it's going to show in our lives. You know, the enemy wants to distract us and pull us away from God, but God wants to keep us focused and to draw us closer to him. Challenge four people are friends of God. Number three, if you're taking notes, disciple makers will face unique spiritual attacks. They'll, they'll face unique spiritual attacks. Yeah, I believe that all Christians will face spiritual attacks of some kind. Um, But if you are a challenge for kind of person, if you're a disciple maker, you're going to face unique spiritual attacks. Um, When you're focused on doing the work of God, in the will of God, for the glory of God, you can expect spiritual attacks in your life. The enemy doesn't mind if you're just busy with church activities. So if you're going to more meetings, if you're involved in Bible studies that have no real application for your life, or if you're helping plan events that don't really build up the body of Christ, the enemy doesn't mind if you're just busy. But if you start reaching the lost, if you start discipling new believers and equipping them to go out and repeat the process, you're going to be a target for the enemy. I would say that if you're not facing spiritual attacks in your life, you're probably not following Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 6, the apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Ephesus about this reality. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, he writes, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So remember, Ephesians can be broken down into two parts. It's a great way to understand this book. Chapters 1 through 3 describe who we are. It's all about our identity in Christ. And then chapters 4 through 6 describe what we do. This is how we live for Jesus. So Paul is reminding Christians that as we live for Jesus... We've got to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the devil's attacks. That's what he talks about immediately following verse 12. We put on the belt of truth, which helps us discern the devil's lies. And the devil is a liar. And only God's truths that are found in his word can help us discern what's true and what's false. We're called to put on the breastplate of righteousness. The devil will often attack our heart. That's the seed of our emotions, uh, self-worth and trust. God's righteousness is the breastplate that protects our heart and reminds us that we only need his approval, not the world's. God approves of us because he loves us, because he sent his son to die for us. And we're to put on the shoes of peace which really is a symbol of being ready and willing to spread the good news of Jesus. The devil wants us to believe that telling others about Jesus and about what he's done in our lives is pointless, and that we can't be successful at doing this as a follower of Christ. Well, the shoes of peace that God gives us is the motivation to tell others about the grace, forgiveness, and hope that's only found in Jesus. or to take up the shield of faith, which protects us from the devil's insults, setbacks, and temptations. With the shield of faith, we can learn to see our circumstances from God's perspective. We know that in this life, we're going to have trials and troubles, but we can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. That's the perspective that God wants us to have today. We're to put on the helmet of salvation The devil wants us to doubt God. He wants us to doubt his goodness, his grace, and his provision in our lives. The devil also wants us to doubt our salvation. Well, the helmet of salvation protects our mind from doubting our true identity in Christ. It reminds us to think about things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And then finally, we're told to hold the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. Now, if you read through the full armor of God in Ephesians 6, you'll learn that the sword of the spirit is the only offensive weapon on the list. There are times when you'll need to play offense against the devil's attacks. Reading, meditating on, and memorizing God's word is what will help you do this. God's word is our weapon against the enemy. To challenge four people, disciple makers can expect to face unique spiritual attacks. I know that so many of you have grown in your faith over this past year. You know, you've shared stories with me about how God is using you at work, how he's using you in your family and here at the church. You've decided to share your faith with others. You've decided to come alongside new believers and serve in new ways. As you've done these things, you've experienced spiritual attacks in your life, attacks in your family. When you experience these attacks, you can either give up Or you can put your hope in Jesus. You can rely on his leading, on his strength, and on his provision. You can believe the devil's lies, or you can build your life on the promises of God. Now, if you respond to this challenge, to go and bear fruit, allowing God to grow you into a disciple who makes more disciples, you can expect spiritual attacks in your life. But you can also take heart, because Jesus has overcome the world. You can remember that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. This is by no means an exhaustive list of characteristics for challenge for people or for disciple makers, but it's a good reminder about what it looks like to respond to this challenge in our own lives. Disciple makers are spiritual parents, disciple makers are friends of God, disciple makers often face unique spiritual attacks. At the end of the day, the goal for our lives should be multiplication. We want to reach as many people as possible for Jesus. That's from that first challenge. We want to see them grow in their faith, which is challenge number two. We want to help them serve as kingdom workers, which is that third challenge. We want to send them out as disciple makers. Well, there's two verses that I wanna read as we conclude this series. One is a verse that we already read today and the other will be new for today's message. John 15, verse five, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, really this challenge is all about staying connected to Jesus. We can't bear fruit unless we stay connected To him. And then John chapter 20, verse 21. I love this verse. Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending.